Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Good morning. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Kessner-King. I am here today with Ken Cardez. Yes. From Melrose, Mass. Melrose, Mass. Okay, but formerly New Hampshire. Summers worked over. Summers worked over. Wow, so been around. Yes. Nice. So you've always been a New Englander? Yes. Uh, I grew up in Stono, Mass. I uh, joined the Air Force to see the world. I put on my dream sheet, and they okay. call it that for a good reason. I put down Alaska, Hawaii, and Japan, and they sent me to uh, Pease Air Force Base in New Hampshire an hour away. That's just a joke that everybody Didn't says, see yeah. much, did you? Yeah, the commander thought way. it was. He, he thought it was funny too. But, <laughs> but I stayed. I, I went to Pease in 1983 and uh, got out of the service in 1989, and I stayed in the area until about three years ago. Nice. Yeah. All righty. So tell me your earliest childhood explorations with anything artistic. When I was younger, you know, we did the typical kindergarten stuff, drawing and all that stuff. And I just mm. do bad stick people. So it was never a venture <laughs> that I went down. Um, I would say teenage years when um, my mom got a camera and I was designated the family photographer and I would take <laughs> pictures at events and all that. And then uh, I got another camera and I started exploring things a little bit. And actually the real one, the one that really said, this is what I, I love to do is um, a friend of mine, um, we went over to his house and um, he says, let's go out and take some pictures. And he had three or four cameras. So we all went out, took pictures, went back to the house. And, and to, to my surprise, he said, all right, we're going to go down in the dark room and develop, develop this stuff. Well, his dad had a dark room in the basement, which I didn't know when we went out and, yeah. and came back and all that. And uh, I made my first black and white print Ooh. in the magic of the dark yeah. room. You know, seeing that image just come out of nowhere. And uh, I still have that picture to this day. It was two wow. friends at the time at, at Weiss's Farm in Stoneham. And uh, it just sparked, sparked that interest mm-hmm. on the uh, technical side of my brain to say, wow, this is kind of cool magic. Mm. So I just took it from there and, and um, through the years shot a lot. Didn't do a lot of darkroom stuff. Um but always had that curiosity when I went out to say what's out there to explore and, and document things. So there's two sides, a documentary part of family events and then the other side of something creative. Right. Um, so did you uh, dabble in becoming a fine artist at that time? No, I was uh, a technical, always technical stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I was fixing my car and, and doing uh, fixing soul machines for Singer Soul Machine in <laughs> Boston when I worked as a kid. Oh, wow. So I had a knack for that. And my mom was a single mom. So being the oldest, she said, see if you can fix this. Uh-huh. You know, I was kind of the designated repairman as well. Gotcha. So that was me for a long, long time. And, and uh, then I went into service, uh, was military police, security police in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And I always had that technical side, but started getting more and more into the photography. Okay. And, um, you know, got married, had kids, um, documentary stuff. You don't have a lot of free time for yourself to go out when that happens. So as the kids got older, moved out and moved on, I had more time for myself where I could be creative and, right. and things like that. So. Yeah. So did you ever have any formal training? 
Um, I did take a class in college, but I don't, it was basic, basic stuff. I don't really recall that much about it. Mm-hmm. As far as training other than now, the internet's been the greatest thing. I used to be yeah. a big subscriber to a, a website called photo.net. And what was great about that was you could put a question out on the forums and you would have eight or 10, 12 people responding to you and saying, oh, you, you want to do this or try that, or this is mm-hmm. the answer to that question. Nice. And it was great. And uh, I actually wound up um, friending one of the guys there. And what was uh, one of our bond was we were both security police in the Air Force. So we had that history behind us. He was in 10 years or so before I was. He was in during the Vietnam War. But we wound up friending each other and uh, even beyond photo.net we emailed each other Mm. exchanged photographs i could pick his brain about uh, photography he was a news photographer for about 30 some odd years and we actually met like 10 years down the way he and his wife came out here and i I gave him a tour of new england he said he he just needed one shot where there was a moose and a bald eagle in the same picture at the (laughs) same at the same time that that didn't pan out but but it was great to finally uh, make the connection and, and meet him physically yeah, so that was a, a va- lot of valuable training yeah. for that connection. Yeah. That's great. So how has um, moving from film to digital, how did that happen for you? Was it an easy progression? Um, it was easy for me. I, I, I wasn't a pro shooter, so those people had the biggest impact on them. Mm. For um, a lot of film photography, it was, it was, it was fantastic because you could experiment and learn and capture uh, digital images, and it's not costing you uh, money to, to buy the film, develop it, process it. Right. Um, the editing capability of digital over film is phenomenal. I mean, if you, um, the threat really was to the film photographers, the ones right. that lived and died by film and, right. and literally were craftsmen. Yeah. Incredibly so. Yeah. The digital opened up a whole other realm to people, especially computer tech savvy people mm-hmm. that that could be creative and use Photoshop, which the early versions were very, very crude and rudimentary. But um, it, digital has just changed the world so much as mm-hmm. photography. It truly, truly has. I still shoot film. Um, I shoot a lot of digital. We did a trip out to the Midwest to see the family farm mm-hmm. this past summer. And um, I brought uh, three cameras, two two film cameras and one digital. I shot eight rolls of medium format, seven rolls of 35 millimeter and about 4,000 digital images. And they both have their aesthetic that to me is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love to do the film. I haven't been developing my black and white film since I moved down to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in New Hampshire, I, I did it pretty much all the time. But now I have um, Photosmith and Dover does all my film. Mm. They do a fantastic job. And then I scan the, the negatives and then process them, them from there. And, and can you recreate it in digital? Sure you can, but there's something tangible about having those negatives and, and mm. working it that way. It just has its own look to it. And right. I like it. I enjoy both. Now, can you actually tell visually looking at a photo, whether it's been done on film or digital? You know, some people say you can, but really, if you really want to fool somebody, you can fool somebody. Yeah. And realistically, unless you're making the print in the dark room, you're digitizing a, an analog strip of film. Right. Right. So 
there are those pure diehards that, that say, I do everything in the dark room. I shoot film. I develop in the dark room. Um, Alexander DeSteiger, she's a film shooter, mm-hmm. uh, the curator out at Star right. Island. She's right. committed to it, and, and she grew up with it. I don't know if she shoots digital. I know she does a little bit, but I won't say she does it on a professional level, but, mm-hmm. level, but out on the island for snapshots and whatnot. Right. Yeah, I have yeah. a book. It's beautiful. Hoping to interview her in the spring when she comes back. <laughs> right. It's a long swim, but she'll be here. It's a long swim. Uh, okay, so as your kids got older and you stopped kind of cataloging the family events and all that and you branched out, what kind of subjects were you inspired to shoot? Uh, nature, uh, landscapes, out, just being out and about. and um, That's that's where I've always been. I'm, I'm a country mouse. I'm not a city mouse. But <laughs> even though I move closer to the city, um, I love being out in the woods. Um Right now, personally, uh, where I grew up in Stoneham, uh, there's a, a spot pond is there. And when we were kids, it, w- it was an off-limits reservoir for uh, drinking water. And you weren't allowed to hop the fence and go in there, fish, swim, or anything like that. Now they've opened it up recreationally to fishing. And um, you can, you can wow. rent their kayaks and sailboats now, wow. which is great. So for me, it's kind of a personal project that I'm working on where um, I just go around different parts of the pond and, and photograph it where mm. I never could before. Mm. And the stone zoo, which is uh, mm. nice, it's changed so much from what it was to what it is now. And it's gotten better in a lot of ways. When you look back and think those poor animals in the cages that they were in back in the day. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of it was for me was what a great opportunity it was to have exposure to them and see them. Yeah was just such a blessing. Well, that explains one of the photographs I saw okay. on your website. It's your website's fantastic. Thank you. Really, really high-end. Um, it, it must be a gorilla or chimpanzee or something with its hand against the window. All you can see is the hand. That was the baboon. It looks slightly human, oh and at first it's like, now wait a minute. <laughs> it was. It truly was. Way so, too many finger pads. Yeah, What's going on there? <laughs> it was just so human to yeah, me. And yeah. I don't recall if it was a male or a female, but I was taking pictures and this one baboon just came up in the corner of the glass and put put its hand on the glass and yeah. just bowed its head. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is just priceless. The Stone Zoo went through a lot of transitions. And actually one of my, my friends growing up, um, Lisa, her dad was the curator at the zoo, Walter D. Stone uh, Zoo. So when he passed, it's a memorial zoo now. And uh, it's gone through a lot of changes. It's, they've moved the majority of the large animals into Boston at the Franklin Park Zoo, and the habitats there are much better for, for oh, the residents. Okay, yeah. um, and the Stone Zoo has its own uh, place, but it, it was funny when we were kids. Um, my mom took us to one of her friends, and it, it was my brother and I, and, and, the, and the woman had two kids, and we're like, all right, you guys, go out and play. Get out of our hair. <laughs> so we're out there debating what we want to go do, what mischief we can get yes. into or whatnot. And, and uh, well... What's in your zoo? You know, let's go to your zoo, see what you got. And they're like, what are you talking about? And, and we were so naive. We thought right. every town had its own zoo. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. So you look back and say, we're really, really very fortunate right. to have the animals that, that were at the zoo at the time. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So talk shop a little bit for all these techie people. What do you use now for your camera? And- so right now, um, I'm a Nikon shooter. Um, I, I really enjoy their stuff. And for some people, Canon works or Olympus or, or Pentax. But uh, personally, I, I use uh, a Nikon. My first one was a, a D70. 
um, which I still have. Uh, then I went to the next level, which is D300, and then the D800, and then the D810, is which, I, which is what I have now. I still shoot film, 35 millimeter and medium format roll film. And, and not so much with the 35. I have a couple point and shoots in a, in a Nikon 35 millimeter as well. But I, I like the old cameras that are medium format. You get 10 or 12 shots, and it's very simple box cameras. The Kodak Brownie, um, Hawkeye. Um, I have a Kodak Cresta 3 now, which was made in Europe. Very rudimentary. Um, I, I actually took it apart, took the lens out, and flipped it around so it's reversed. Oh. And it creates this fuzzy vignette around yeah. the edges of it. Oh, and it yeah. just gives you a very thorough yeah, you see, it's beautiful. I, yes, and I yeah. do. I am. I was so drawn to your black and whites, yeah. and I to me, um, they do have. It's the word I wrote. They have an ethereal essence of just time being suspended, right? And it made me feel like I was viewing some of Sally Mann's works, and I had seen her show at the PBD Essex a sure, few years back. Sure, that was a great show. Was, yeah, yeah, it was. I and I, they're just stunning. And now I, so I explained some of those. Right. Are done so that way. you could nice. recreate it. Yeah digitally, but the cameras are, are very unique. And sometimes you're in a, on a cloudy day and you don't have enough light for a proper exposure. So when you scan the negative and you go to edit it, it's too dark. So you have to adjust the contrast or the exposure, the brightness. Okay. Um, might be too dark, might be too bright. You want to play with it a little bit. And you sometimes you remove the dust specks and all that type of stuff. But, oh, wow. <laughs> so I shoot a wide variety of things. Yeah. As far as the numbers digitally, I shoot a lot more digital images and, and it's the editing software is so powerful now. You can be very, very creative. You can have six different versions easily mm -hmm. of the same image, right. depending on what look you want. Whereas with the film, especially black and white, you're very limited on it. But it's like a chef saying, this is what I created. Yeah. This is, you know, this, yeah. you won't, yeah, you're working with a smaller menu. And, sure. and people ask me, you know, why, what's better about this digital camera to that one? Well, the more you spend, the more you kind of get as options. It's the same with the images. If you shoot in the technical form, JPEGs versus raw files, basically what your camera does is it gathers all this information. It processes all that information and creates what's called a JPEG. So for example, you can say um, it processed a thousand different colors within that whole spectrum and it chose 20. Hmm. And it said this brightness, this, this contrast, it's all, all computer stuff that's in your, in your camera that says this is what makes a good image. They're defining, yeah. the engineers are defining what makes a good image to you. Sure. Versus if you shoot in RAW, or in the case of Nikon, they call it an NEF file, the images are unedited, they're much larger, and you get to be a lot more creative hmm. as to how you want to edit the image. So, for example, and, and one of the great correlations I, I do, um, if, if I gave you 12 ingredients that, that are, would make a meal versus 100 ingredients, you have a lot more versatility mm -hmm. to be creative in how you want that final image or meal to be. That's what's great about shooting raw. And, and I like that because you can you have a lot more options. Once the camera makes a decision to create a JPEG image, it throws away all that other information and it's not available to you anymore. Oh, 
So you say, I want to get those highlights back or I want to bring up the shadows. Okay. It's gone. It's ah, been thrown away. So creatively speaking. That. Oh, that's that's good information. There you go. <laughs> never understood that. Uh, Learn so much every time. Yeah, I or paintbrushes in, in your circumstances. If you only had four colors <laughs> versus right. 100 colors. Yes. Very nice. So do you follow other photographers? Is there anybody? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Follow? A bunch. Yeah. A yeah. Bunch. I, I, I'm always learning. Um, and in fact, I just put on my Facebook page the other day. It was like, or no, I missed it. I think I missed it a friend. Uh, you, you know, if it was my choice, uh, I'd live a thousand years and, and, and still want more. Mm. And it's like damn mortality, you know, mm. which age comes wisdom. And, and, you know, if I knew 20 years ago what I know now, I could just go even further and still not have. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, you know, Greg Kretschmar. Yes. Uh, from the Morning Buzz, who I interviewed a while back, and uh, Scott Thorpe, he's a member of the series gallery here. And is there some kind of group you guys get together and talk shop? Yes. So my former boss, uh, Conrad, his brother-in-law, Andy, and Greg, who's a, uh, a cousin of uh, Conrad, uh, once a month or so, if we're available, we get together and uh, talk about photography. Nice. Yeah, the technical aspects of it and, and where we want to go and where we've been. And we share photos with each other and mm -hmm. have a nice meal. We usually go over to Fogarty's in South Berwick. Always a good meal there. Oh, no. don't know that one. Oh, my gosh. you got to go. <laughs> okay. I'll put it on the list. Fogarty's. Fogarty's. So life has thrown you a real curveball lately. And our mortality has been its central theme. Yes. 2017, uh, we were on our honeymoon in Ireland. And I started having back pain. In, this was in June we got married. And I uh, started having back pain. I was, you know, rationalizing it as, as back pain. Yeah. And uh, I was up every night, for every two hours or so, just digging my back into the corner of the wall, getting these muscle pain. spasms out and that. And got back from our honeymoon and uh, went to the doctors. And uh, we were treating it for that um, through PT and, and uh, massage therapy mm -hmm. and a chiropractic. Mm -hmm. And um, then I started losing weight, and that's when things started changing. I was losing about five pounds a week, so pretty oh, significant. Boy. So back to the doctor, and she says, I want you to go see this GI doc, and they did all yeah. kinds of tests. And the doctor that she wanted me to see wasn't available, so I saw another doctor, and he did a whole list of, of things, upper GI, lower, blood work, the whole yeah. nine yards. Yeah. And um, had a follow-up with the doctor, my GP, and... Um, I had lost another 10 pounds in about two weeks. So she said, I want you to go back to this original doctor who I wanted you to see in the first place. And he did everything the other doctor did, but he added a CAT scan. Okay. And then the CAT scan showed the spots on the pancreas. And then from there, another upper GI with the biopsy. And then the doctor said, you know, it's a very aggressive wow. um, pancreatic cancer. And um, so I asked him how long, and he said six to 12 months. So... I, I was on the optimistic side. I said, I'll go with 12 months. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you digest it and, and all that stuff. And, and basically, um, we, we just created a bucket list. Mm -hmm. You know, we were newlyweds. Mm. Um, so we made a bucket list of, of uh, what's important. And it was, you know, family, friends. And, and friends was defined to me many years ago by uh, friends of the family you choose get to choose for yourself. Right. So there's friends that come and go, and that's okay, but there's ones that are there. And, and, right. and, and then what would we have wanted to do or what would we like to do at retirement? Let's do it now. So, right. so uh, you know, fortunately, um, 
very lucky in a lot of ways in life. And uh, so more time with family and friends. And we did uh, quite a bit of travel uh, for our first anniversary. We went back to Ireland mm-hmm. uh, with family in tow. So there was nine of us. Oh, gosh. And we, we hired this <laughs> uh, mom and pop bus company uh, to take us around the country. Oh, and, nice. And they were fantastic. Nice. Love them. And uh, saw Ireland again. And, and you know, the, 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 to the Midwest this past summer to see family stuff. And yeah. uh, I was very fortunate to get into Dana-Farber. Okay. I have a great doctor, nurse, team. They're fantastic there. I yeah. love them. Um, what we did uh, was go on a very aggressive chemotherapy at first. Mm-hmm. She said, it's really going to kick your butt. Uh, I can't save your life, but it can extend your survival. Mm-hmm. So she's uh, very straight to the point and uh, doesn't uh, beat around the bush, which is great. It's what what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And the first uh, year was very tough. Yeah. Um she told me it was going to be tough for my body, and it was. Uh, chemo was every other week, and 12 out of 14 days, I was pretty much on the couch, yeah. resting and, and uh, surviving. Wow. And uh, one of my friends uh, did a gallery show for me up in Dover mm. at his uh, gallery, and uh, was just phenomenal. And uh, I look back at those pictures of me and say, gosh, I really lost a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> um, at, at, Worst case, I had lost 85 pounds. Wow. So, and wow. I've gained, uh, I don't know, about 50 back or so. Okay. So, but I feel good now. And and it's funny, uh, being a technician, um, cancer is a living organism and it, and mm-hmm. it wants to survive mm-hmm. just like any living organism. And, and what the, the doctors do is they use these drugs to attack it. And uh, the, the cancers are smart and they work around it, oh, find a way how to get around it and survive. And uh, I did several chemos and then uh, recently started on clinical trials. And uh, that's targeted as well. And, and again, the cancer learns to morph and, and go around it. So, mm. But I mean, you're, you're an extremely unusual case, right? To have um, people tell me I'm unique, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do the doctors say? <laughs> I, mean, cause, I mean, you look great. Nobody would know, I, right? I, not now, no. 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 Um, so uh, typical uh, survival rates, I think, is under 10% yeah. or for five years. Okay. Um, this past December was, uh, um, my doctor said about um, 75% of my patients don't make it as long as you have. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very grateful. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, you wrote a beautiful article that, um, and thank you, by the way, for contacting me. So, sure. so I could meet you. I love, I love this. Um, you sent that article in New Hampshire Magazine called Time Passages, yes. Just beautiful. Yeah. And um, everyone should go on there and find it. In fact, I'll put the link Great. on your page on the website when I load it up so people can find that. Um, but it was just beautifully written. And, you know, I, I, I just appreciated how you, obviously, you're, you've got the best attitude that anyone could ever have. It helps. I think. It certainly helps. Yeah. yeah. It Well, certainly, yeah. The time that I've been given is, is a blessing, mm. and I'm grateful for it. And it's like every month that goes by that I've lived beyond my 12-month mm-hmm. yeah. prognosis is, is truly just a gift. And you can sit there and say, poor me, and, and it really doesn't do any good. You can yeah. stomp your foot. I tried that. All you get is a sore foot. <laughs> it did no help whatsoever. Um, but when you finally come around to accepting it, you just learn to be at peace with it and say, you know, right. I'm truly grateful for this time that I have. Yeah. Um, the be 
doing what I want to do to spend time with my kids and my wife and, and, and friends. Mm. And you learn to prioritize things a lot. You really, really yeah. say what's on your bucket list. And I was never a, a list person. And, and Andy, who's a, a friend of mine that we meet for photographic lunches and all that stuff. He's a, he's a to-do list guy. He is the list guy. Yeah. And I, I didn't even pick his brain, but it's just like, I always got that vibe from him. Hmm. And when you say what's important to me, um, you got a, a year to live. What are you going to do with that year? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then we did it and, and knocked everything off on the list. And then the second <laughs> year comes around. It's like, all right, now it's another. Now we get another year. What are you yeah. going to do with this year? Yeah. And, and you really prioritize things and say, why am I wasting my time on something that's really right. irrelevant? And what's really important and, and prioritizing and things along that line. And now, yeah. you know, you just keep going and say, okay, what's important, what's important, what's important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's days where it's like, oh, it's, it was a rough day with chemo or a rough week with chemo. And you mm-hmm. say, no matter what, I, whenever I go down that path, I, my mindset just changes. Say, what are you grateful for? Mm-hmm. And, and one other thing that's, that's happened is you get, or, or in my case, I got neuropathy mm-hmm. in my fingers and in my feet. And um, a couple things that would happen. I would slip in the shower and, and, and you don't feel it till it hits your knees and you say, oh, geez, that's scary. Yeah. But one of the things was um, last year we have a dog, Charlie. Just love him. He just turned 12. Um, and typically he sleeps on his, he has his own couch in the living room. And we have our couch. And he's, he's a king of his, his, his realm. But at any rate, um, Typically, he doesn't come up on the couch with us, but he did, and he kind of fell asleep on my lap. And I was just patting his head, and I realized, I can't feel his, his fur anymore. I'd lost that sensation yeah. in my fingertips, and I was like, God, I missed that. And it's those simple things that you right. can say, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. Right. And one of the things I used to always do is just check my own pulse. I get a, a little bit of a heart thing. It skips and all that stuff. And I used mm-hmm. to check my pulse and I, and I had lost that sensation as well. But just last week I'm laying in bed and I'm like, Oh, I can feel my pulse again. <laughs> and I'm like, Charlie, like patting his head. I'm like, Oh buddy. And he loves a brain rub. So, you know, it's a two way street. He just sits there and, and lets you rub his brain and his eyes close and he kind of hums along with it. So, yeah. you know, there's, it's, it's uh, what you choose to be and how you choose to be is, mm-hmm. is huge. I was always um, unassuming, easygoing and all that, but I've learned um, gratitude to a much deeper level now. Yeah. You, can, you can always find something to be grateful for. Right. Always. Right. And I think that practicing that daily for yes, people absolutely. is so important. Yes. I mean, why, why wait for, a, you know, something like a, a terminal diagnosis to suddenly be able to appreciate that puppy like you do you know and i think the people who do live that way Mm -hmm. i think you just you see that there's this light there's this aura around them right emanate there's definitely an aura and and i remember reading the book and they talked about auras and it was kind of a little bit on the little hokey yeah but in (laughs) in a good way it was a celestine prophecy a friend had recommended it years ago and then after it so that was a novel, but there's a lot behind the novel that they, they follow up. So there's what they call the experiential guide mm-hmm. that was written after. And it's like a workbook for the novel. Okay. And it breaks down a lot of things. And one of the things they talk about is the aura of people and right. trees and, and all right. that stuff. And, you know, to what degree is it? But, yeah, birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about control dramas, what you do uh, when you don't get what you want as a child. <laughs> You were poor me, aloof, yeah. intimidate, and interrogate. 
So, you know, when you get the news that, you, you know, you're going to die and it's like, hello, we're all mortal. Yeah. You know, mortality yeah. is here. But when it's not when you expect it or anything like that, you, your mind goes through these control dramas and you're like, well, number one, I don't have anyone that invented to God or Jesus or, yeah. you know, your doctor or, or whatever. But the, but the adult is supposed to work through the control dramas and say, let's have an adult conversation about it. So, you know, you can cry, you can stomp your feet and all that stuff and, yeah. and, and they don't work. But uh, it, it was an interesting book, but the, the glow, the aura of people. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. So how has this changed your art has, or has it at all? Um, the biggest change was physically moving down to Massachusetts okay. again. Right. Yeah. My, uh, my wife, um, her, her children, adult children now, we're still in school, and um, that's the priority. It's okay. Kids come first. Mm-hmm. So uh, I moved down there, and um, they're they're doing their own things. Once uh, the oldest is, has moved out, gone to college, got a nice job, and all mm-hmm. that, she's doing well. And then um, my wife's uh, son has a, a plan; he's going to be moving to Canada oh. soon, and uh, going on with his life, and, mm-hmm. and which is fantastic. Nice. I'm like envious of them yeah. for that. Know. You know, so young and have all these options open options. to you. And, Don't and they have options these days sure that we do. didn't have? Absolutely. <laughs> I hope they re- realize it, right? Yeah. With, with age comes wisdom. That's right. Um, so you've done a few trips to Ireland. And is that Roots? Is that a connection? Yes, Roots. Um, my mom and, and my stepdad went several times over the past uh, decades and found uh, one of the farms that the family Wow. Uh, had way way back in the, the good old days that is very cool. and there was a, a caretaker for the property that my mom friended and uh they maintained a friendship through letters mm-hmm. through the years nice. and then um when we went over and, and both my wife and i have roots in ireland so we we both had a good reason to go oh, there lovely. so we went over and i actually met with the daughter of my mom's friend because the mom had passed yeah. away so uh, I, I met the, the daughter of, of uh, Emery, and, and so she was a great host hostess. And uh, so that was part of our honeymoon, and, mm-hmm. and we saw a lot of the country, and it's absolutely gorgeous over there, absolutely wow. gorgeous. Now, what, my wife's family is from uh, Dunlop, uh, I forget the name, it's, all, it's over by Dublin, mm-hmm. and we went over to that side as well, and mm-hmm. actually found where her, her grandmother lived as a child. Oh the actual goodness. address, and uh, it was wow. great. So, being a photographer, I took about six thousand. I was going to say, <laughs> God, 10, God love my wife. God love my wife. <laughs> to have the patience to be, yeah, any spouse. That's I know. I, I understand that. Being so. a photographer, it's like, oh, we're going to take this picture. <laughs> oh, we're going to take this picture. So it was absolutely beautiful over there. And we went back, and I could go back again and again mm. and again. It's just, it's, and the people are so nice, and the food is so good. And, right. Yeah. I haven't been. I have been to Scotland. I've not been to Ireland yet. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I always ask, what's your definition of success is for you as an artist? Well, ultimately, you're there to please yourself first. Mm-hmm. I mean, you create for yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, you say, do you go in a direction? And do you say, I want to focus on landscapes or, you know, whatever. Some mm-hmm. people say, I want to do it for a living which is, um, I think, can be a challenge, too, because are you doing it for yourself or for somebody else? And, and they're really different venues, I think. Sure. There's a big difference between the two. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here for a time in our lives, and you can say, um, are you in it for the money? Or are you in it for love? 
with any career. Yeah. And, and most of us uh, follow a path of, of chance, circumstance, mm-hmm. things along that line. Some choose it for money. And if you can find a great job that, that pays well, power to you. I just like to do what I love, you know, and I, I left jobs that, that just didn't feel right to me. And, right, and, I, right. and then uh, the, the biggest blessing I had was working for Nard's Appliance in Summersworth, New Hampshire. It was mm. uh, mm-hmm. Conrad, who's one of my photo friends, it was also my boss for 17 years. Wow. So, so uh, you know, it was great working for him, with him as much as for him. And the customers and the travel and the opportunities and uh, customers were just fantastic. Mm. Many customers were three generations. Wow. You know, can the doors open, go ahead and fix it, leave a bill, we'll yeah. be down to pay. Yeah. If we need a new one, just throw a new one in there. And, and it's just unheard of, but it was like Mayberry, mm-hmm. Mayberry RFD. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, cookies are on the table. Uh, it really was, the, the, couldn't ask for any better of a job. Right. Absolutely. Right. Being able to fix something, you know, yeah. they say, what do I get out of it? It's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed fixing things. I enjoyed talking to people. I enjoyed being out and about. Those are three biggies for me. And mm-hmm. then it just really, mul- there were multiples on top of that with, you know, customers and relationships. And, and you get to know people in, in the community. Um, one of the photographers for uh, New Hampshire Magazine, uh, David Mendelson, he um, he does photo bits and, and a little bio of people for New Hampshire Magazine on a regular basis. And um, I was just chatting with him yesterday and I said, you know, this person here in Rollinsford and this person here, I think they're in Lee, mm-hmm. um, that I met through my work doing repairs. And you get to meet them and they're like, oh my gosh, these people, where, where, you know, we have so much talent around yeah. here and so many different yes, realms of it. And I get to meet, got to meet people right. who just do things that are like, worldly stuff you know yeah. uh, the guy in brian uh, in rollinsford brian who created these medieval knights and and sometimes they were standing and sometimes they were on horseback and he cast them out of pewter or silver and hand painted each one mm. and recreated the uh the shields the, the family crest on their swords mm. or excuse me on their shields yeah. family crest on the shields and it might be on the side of a horse Shreve Crump and Lowe in Boston used to sell his stuff. And I go to this tiny house on the river in Rollinsford and there's this, this guy, uh, Brian, who's, um, you know, uh, a, a man living alone, an, an older gentleman who's um, quiet and, and artistic, mm-hmm. lives a unique lifestyle. At the time, he was burning coal to heat his house. Wow. And... Uh, and I walk in his, his porch and at the end of the porch is this little table and there's this bronze with, the best I can recall, it's like an Indian on horseback getting ready to throw a spear into a buffalo. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he goes, thanks, I made that. And my, <laughs> you could hear my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, what? Yeah. So I did my job. He said, I'll be out on the porch. And I'm looking over my shoulder and he's out on the porch, which is um, beautiful light coming in this row of windows on the porch overlooking the river. Mm. It's in a perfect location. And I say, can I get the 50 cent tour of what you're doing out there? And he's like, sure, come on out. So I go out and he's just painstakingly painting uh, this uh, medieval knight with uh, what you would say would be um, an optometrist little uh, magnifiers on, on glasses yeah. with, a, with a little brush. Wow. And I think he has like the hairs off the back of a fly painting this thing so meticulously. And uh, the shop was incredible. 
Um, it's really fancy because he's working with lead vapors and he has it has his own centrifuge for making the the nights. And a lot oh of the goodness. stuff on the high end stuff was made out of pure silver, like the the chains. Chainmail that they would wear for protection, and the shields he would make out of pure silver. He's just I mean, living the dream out there in the middle of nowhere. Gosh, absolutely. <laughs> who, who would know? And who would know? And here I am, lucky me. Uh, I get to meet this guy yeah. and talk with him. And uh, I, w- I went to his place several times, and That's one nice. of the last times I took some pictures uh, uh, of yeah. him and his work. And so very fortunate in that sense. Yeah. And I could go on and on and on about yeah. all the unique people that I've met. And, right. You know, not everybody's. A creative artist to that degree yeah. but, but and do you do any commission work at all with your photography um so there's there's a couple rounds one is i have a website that that does all the printing uh, matting framing shipping they do the whole thing they just send me an email and say hey you sold a picture what do you want us to do with the money mm-hmm. um what and, do you want us to do yeah and the uh, one of the others is um commercially um i'll get emails from my website from someone that's interested in using the work commercially. And it, it could be in print, it could be okay. um, online, and it could be um, just digital art to hang on a wall. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been um, in magazines um, for the state of New Hampshire's Board of Tourism. I had a contract with them for several years mm-hmm. um, where they leased an image and then they use it in different magazines to draw in uh, people to New Hampshire to, oh, okay. uh, for tourism. Sure. Um, oh, nice. It was um, that, and then I've done shows, and then I um, print some of my own images as well and sell them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was a time I did weddings and portraits and that, but mm-hmm. but I really tend to shoot for myself. And I was always very fortunate with weddings. They were always great. Yeah. Um, I, I love shooting them. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like a play, so there's, there's lines, and everybody has their place and what they're supposed <laughs> to say. So you're yeah. just going to be in the right place at the right time. But everybody's there to have fun. Everybody's dressed up. And, and I love shooting weddings. It was mm-hmm. great. Some pe- And it can be intimidating um, for some people. But um, I just thought it was a great privilege. I always mm-hmm. thought it was a lot of fun to shoot weddings. Yeah. But Facebook uh, has been a big thing for me. Yeah, how do you use social media? Um, what do you I, do with all I that? started years ago. And I actually had an account many years ago. And I closed it. Then I reopened it. And what I had done then and I still do now is I post a photo up every day. Oh. And every originally, the reason why I had, I had done it was it forces you to critique your work to say, mm-hmm. how good is this shot? Yeah. Am I willing to put it out there and uh, be judged uh. either through likes or comments? Right. And it really forced me to look at my work harder, and, and which is a challenge for a lot of artists. A is to say, Yeah. How do I choose? How do I really define right. what's important? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done that every day since I opened my account. So I have a photo of the day every single wow. day. And, um, you know, some are flops and some are great. And, and, and I do repeat them on occasion. Um, yeah. I used to get um, feedback that said, well, you didn't take that picture today. It's not, not snowing. It's August. <laughs> and, I, you know, I just clarify. It, trying it to doesn't mean I, I took it today. <laughs> But a lot of times you go out and you say, hey, I took, I got a lot of great pictures today. Well, yeah. I didn't want to put them out there all at once sure. because you you want to appreciate the, the individual for what it is in a day. Mm-hmm. So you can say, oh, I appreciate that. And, and a lot of, I, I, I definitely trend towards uh, landscape. I definitely trend towards 
scenery and uh yeah where's your favorite place to shoot around here i think oh, you yeah great bay wildlife sanctuary so that used to be Pease air force base which i was stationed at yeah uh, in the 80s 83 to 89 and then i got out and um raised the kids and all that stuff and mm -hmm. uh got back there and then what happened was the, the the main base itself closed the guard took over the back area where the weapon storage area was is now considered a wildlife sanctuary which mm -hmm. is fantastic that yeah. out of Anything that went on, that was the most critical thing because the military really didn't build it up out there. It's yeah. it's uh, on the opposite side of the runway as the main base. It's just the weapon storage area and a couple other outbuildings out there. So they created this federal wildlife sanctuary, which is fantastic. And I've gone out there for years. And, and, and it's a little like going home again to like when I was in the service oh, and sure. lots of great memories from the military. Sure. It's that's that other family that those friends that are the, the family you choose for yourself. And, and as a group of those, I get together with every month mm. and, and we have a lunch or dinner and uh, do the same thing. Talk about the good old days. And, and we look back and say, God, I can't believe we're this old. And, you know, we used to be like rabbits. We'd, we'd fall down and get up. Now we got to kind of crawl oh, back God, up. But. It's bad. But it's, I love it out there. It's fun going to see an old friend and say, God, they've aged. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. We've you all aged together. Mirror. Oops, wait a minute. Yeah. And even with classmates and stuff like that, yeah. it's like, you know, we have our, our reunions and it's like, yeah, we're all, you know, yeah, forgetting things and all that line. But that's my favorite place to go. That's church for me is getting out but there. But you have special privileges, I hear. I do. Um, <laughs> I've been very lucky and, and persistent. And, and some people call it stubborn, but I... I like to use persistence since it's a, a positive mm -hmm. aspect of things. Um, I do have permission to go out there um, uh, beyond the normal trail. So there's two main trails that are, that are out there. When you get out to the parking lot area on your left is the old weapon storage area on your right. There's a trail through the parking lot that's a short trail that goes to one of the ponds. And then there's a long trail over on the other side of the road on the, on the WASA side, the WSA side, that follows the WSA, goes out through some fields and some trails by a little beaver pond, goes mm -hmm. out to Great Bay um, and does a loop. Mm -hmm. And that's for the general public. And the main goal of the, um, the refuge is the protection of wildlife. So they want you to stay uh, in a designated area. Uh, no dogs are allowed because it's a wildlife sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get out to the areas where I previously had access to and I didn't now and, and to photograph yeah. and I got a hold of the uh, ranger that's out there and um, uh, they didn't want to let me do it yeah. but they do what they started was these great tours so they're in a transition of sharing this refuge with the general right. public right. so you can sign up for walks and, and um, uh, cross-country skiing bike bike rides out there. I didn't even know that. And it's very controlled. So they've got a website but, maybe? Or? Yes, they do. Well, they have a Facebook page and they have a website. But if you go to Great Bay Wildlife Sanctuary, no, okay. I'm not getting the whole thing. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, you can find it there, see the dates are available. It's pretty much closed for the winter because they don't plow it. And then what you have to do is call in to the uh, sanctuary and put your name on the list for these tours, which okay. are fantastic. Gotcha. So I had done that. And while I was on the tour, I said I was stationed here. And the driver said, um, tell us your side of the story, yeah. you know, because I was uh, security police. We were guarding the, the weapon storage area. So we, we went through the tour of it. They have some projects going on at the state and federal level within that old weapon storage area. 
that they're doing. So it was kind of a good blend that I gave some input on that. And yeah. then we went out and, and toured the, the, uh, a lot of the other areas that are out there. And uh, to me, it's priceless. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's great that they're um, expanding how the space is being used for the general public yeah. and still finding that balance to, to not encroach upon the wildlife that's out there. All right. What's your best advice to other photographers? Anything at all? Shoot what you like. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing it for a living, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. but but shoot what you like. If you want to improve, just just keep going. Uh, there was a book uh, I read years ago called Outliers, and, and one of the the big aspects of the book was um, ten thousand hours will mm-hmm. will get you along. It, it won't mean you're going to be uh, the Beatles, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and the best of the best, but it's just how you improve yourself. Just, you know, if you don't grow, you die. That's, yeah. that's another thing is like, no matter what you're doing in life as a person, uh, if you love it, just keep enriching yourself with it. And it's mm. just, there's just so much information out there. Yeah. So much great information. Yeah, and there if, really is. Yeah. We're very lucky in this area. New Hampshire is fantastic. We, we've got the mountains and the ocean. Oh, if you yeah. want culture, you can go down to many museums down in the Boston area, the Courier. Yeah. Uh, in Manchester, there's just so much out there uh, yeah. to be absorbed and lived. Do you ever feel like photography is a bit oversaturated in any way? Um, you, yeah, to a degree. Um, you know, it depends what your end game is. I mean, mm. if you if you want to improve one thing, if you want to take pictures of what your meal meal is when you dine out, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of that out there. Right. It doesn't do anything for me, but but if <laughs> If it's valuable to you, then power to you. You know, anything that you want to do in your life, in your time frame, while you're here on earth, uh, unless you're, you know, hurting people or out to be mean or anything, go yeah, for it. Yeah. You know, I think that we have so much more access with these phones. Oh, right? yes. It's, and the Internet. It's and, 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 yeah. There's, there's so much more that you can do that's positive. Yeah, you can find negative in anything. Yeah. But, um Hey, we're we're all on this together, and and, mm-hmm. and this is has always been very big with me. Is we're all just people, and I don't care what color, creed, race, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in this together. I was always brought up that way. Yeah. I, I just don't go down the, the road of negativity, you know. Yeah, just be good to each other. Good attitudes. Yeah, I like it. Anything else you want to share? I think we pretty much, you know, gratitude, being yeah. at peace with things. Right. Just lucky. Yeah. Not when I want. It's how I want. But that's okay. You know, I don't even do that. It's, it's not when I want anymore because uh, they just my doctor keeps me going, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just very, very lucky in so many ways. Very, very, very lucky in so many ways. Um, if anything, take care of your body. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've learned uh, digestively uh, through my cancer that there's, there's a lot of junk food out there that's no sure good for is. you whatsoever and our bodies compensate a lot for it. Right. Extreme amount. When we were in Ireland, um, the government there is has a huge role in maintaining that there's good things in their food. Uh, and my son, for whatever reason, chose that. Uh, reading the ingredients on things was was important to him as mm-hmm. a young child, and he still does it. And, mm-hmm. and we were over there, and he picked up a bag of Doritos, and he said, Dad, there's no artificial ingredients in here. It's all real spices and flavors. <laughs> and he says the ones in the States are just full of chemicals. Yeah. And huh. I admire them for that. And yeah. I mentioned it to, to uh, Dearman, who is um, our tour guide over in Ireland, 
and he's, he educated me and, and all of us that they make it a priority over oh. there uh, to eat well and not have chemicals where in the States it's horrible, oh, yeah. absolutely horrible. So yeah. I've learned what doesn't work for my system mm-hmm. and what does, and the, and the basics are better for sure. If, if you can get a, uh, an MRI or a CAT scan on your body done mm-hmm. once every five years, it's not a bad thing. Mine's stage four mm-hmm. uh, by size and by and that it got into my liver, mm-hmm. which is not uncommon. What was uncommon was the age that I got it at. Um, but it, it's typically not found until it's in the later stages in uh, its growth. And um, so if you can get a CAT scan done or anything, one of the things it, it, that's reality is uh for me was at peas they used the firefighter foam that is now banned that had these pfoas all these mm. chemicals <clears throat> and it's linked to cancer it was in our drinking water yeah a lot yeah. and and it doesn't do any good to test us older folks now because it's out of your system mm. but they're um they're working on a connection to it and um jean shaheen is a, a key to it she has um, made peas one of the top sites for testing and analyzing um, how these chemicals are affecting people in, in right now. Mm-hmm. And we'll be going back into it too. So peas is, is uh, one of the biggies for how the government's gonna handle all that. So um, oh, I've great. told many of my veteran friends, you know, if you can get a CAT scan done, get it done. If you've had cancer at any point in time, report it to the VA mm-hmm. um, yeah. because it does have an impact on um, when you document it, that if it does find a correlation to a cancer that you might have, and there is a connection, it goes back to it that date. So, and the VA system's been great in New Hampshire and continuing on down into uh, Massachusetts. That's good. Great system. Good to hear. Yeah. My mom's a veteran and we're trying to work with it a bit. So, yeah, there's challenges to it, but if you find a good advocate, they, they can really right. simplify it. And uh, mm-hmm. I was intimidated when I first. Uh, went on the internet and was trying to figure out how do I apply for this? But um, someone said, oh, just find an advocate. And right, I did. Right. And they so did in 10 true. minutes would have taken me three hours. So it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, there's great advocates out there. There's so many great volunteers out there for so mm-hmm. many different things, but especially with the veterans. So mm-hmm. if there's any veterans out there, go for it. Get in, get in the system and get documented and take yeah. care of yourselves. Yeah. Well, it has been a pleasure. Yeah. And I love your work. So people Thank can you. find you at... KenCartes.com. Right. K-A-R-T-E-S. Right. And you're on Instagram. I am on Instagram under Ken Carter's photo. And then on Facebook, I, I definitely post every day. Uh, and there's only two Ken Carters on Facebook. And he, the other one's one of my cousins. But, uh, <laughs> All but right. uh, yeah, if you want to check out my photo of the day and, and uh, follow. Okay. And if you have a comment, that's fine. Or a question. Anybody has a question on anything with photography or where my yeah. photo was taken. I try to list where the photo was from, but anybody has a question, I'm always glad and grateful to help others along the way. As my friend Mike from Photonet did for me decades ago now, um, it's good to share the information. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. Right. Okie doke. Thank you. Wish y'all the best. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.